Welcome to another episode of Everything College Basketball Podcast, where you'll find out everything that happened in the college hoops world. Now, here's your host of the show, Josh, Peyton, and Tyler. And welcome to another edition of Everything College Basketball, episode number 17. And as we mentioned before, we are not live from the Premier Giant Studios as as we have been the last few weeks. Yeah, um, Noah's fallen under the weather, but we will be back next week with episode number eighteen back again. But hey, we were doing pretty damn good the old school way this way. Yeah, and I think we can handle it. I think I, we can too. I'm of course Josh Burton. I'm of course Peyton Burton. And conspicuous by his absence today, where is Tyler Cook at? Guys, I'm very upset right now. If you haven't seen last week, if you haven't seen the video that we put out, Josh accidentally mistaken Cook for a ghost and accidentally shot him right in the eyeball. I didn't mean to, man. So I didn't that's mean why to. he's not here. Now I don't have anyone to make fun of my bank limits. Well, well you got a whole people well, I got, in the group. I got Facebook. Group, of yeah. course, Peyton, we couldn't do this without our good friends from Applied Right Painting Services. Mm-hmm. Um, this show and every show is sponsored by Applied Right, Gerald Rowe and company. Do you do you right? <laughs> Applied Right Painting Services. But Peyton, all I can say to you is how sweet it is. Uh, we mentioned last week on last week's show that we'd finally arrived at NCAA tournament time. And as we sit here now, we are down to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16, baby. I'm excited. It's very exciting stuff. It just seems like this tournament goes so fast. So <clears throat> It really does, yeah. It just seems like it goes so fast. Um, we'll get into it more as the, the show progresses, obviously, but initial first reactions, not a lot of upsets. It seems like the top teams really came through this year. Maybe two upsets, but nothing like too major. You know, you had some like cliche upsets. You had some like 12 versus fives. I, th- I think three people, uh, three teams, the 12 seed ended up winning. Uh, New Mexico State didn't, but still fun games, though. Still a lot of good games. Yeah, there was a lot of good ones. It just feels like, like I said, we'll get into it, but it feels like top seeds really this year came through. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, we're here in Sweet 16. Um, for every team that's left, you're two games away from being in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Two more wins. You get through this next week, and you'll be in the Final Four. But we have a lot to talk about, a lot of tournament action. We'll cover a little NIT here and there, maybe even a little women's a little stuff. women's, yeah, you know. But – um. The ball's not going to drop. We've got a great show for you, as always. And we're going to take a, a – actually, before I do that, before. before I do that, let's show a little love to our good friend and co-host of our sister site, Everything Pro Wrestling. Conrad Cushman, my man. He is the host of Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And you can find that show on Anchor iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and all other podcast hosting sites. He also has a YouTube channel, so go to YouTube.com and in the search bar type in everything pro wrestling and hit that subscribe button because he does amazing stuff over EPW. Yeah, he just reviewed WrestleMania 17. I think we all agree WrestleMania 17 is the best wrestling from top to bottom. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick pause for the cause to get changed over. And on the other side, we will recap. Action from the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Stay tuned. Let's do it.
Peyton, you know, looking looking back, going, kind of reviewing these games from this past weekend, let's go ahead and start <clears> at the top with the overall number one seed in their region. Let's go ahead and start with uh, the Duke Blue Devils in the East region. Duke, just looking at theirs, no surprise here. They blew pie. Um North Dakota State, yeah. they were down for a little bit early in the first half. Yeah, they were down. Found themselves down, but once they got the lead, it was no looking back. No. Um, you had the big two, RJ with 26, and he actually had 14 rebounds. Yeah, double-double. And Zion, 25, Cam Reddish, 12. That's, yeah. what, that's what Duke does. Mm-hmm. Then you had, I actually called VCU over UCF, and I was wrong. I was wrong, too. Um. Aubrey Dawkins, health player. We'll obviously get to them here soon. Um, BJ Taylor, the leader of that team, and then seven foot six center Taco Fall. Johnny Dawkins led team. Uh, tremendous VCU. The reason I thought they would win is because their defense. They were number two at the time to- at the time in three point percentage defense, and UCF just beat the brakes off of them. Really. Yeah, it wasn't even a contest. Seventy three fifty eight. I thought VCU would bring up more of a fight against Central Florida, but it didn't happen. UCF got the victory. And then moving down, it wasn't our our first upset of the day because these guys actually didn't play until Friday, the first-round games. But it's the first upset as we're moving down the bracket. And you had the 12 seed, the popular 12 over 5, and you found Liberty upsetting number 5, Mississippi State 80 to 76. Of course, I mean Cook were wrong again. If you guys remember, me and Tyler just thought that it would be too much Quindary Witherspoon. And we were wrong. Peyton, take it away. I know you called that one. Yeah, I might not get bank on it tonight, but I got that one right. I predicted Liberty to beat Mississippi State. Only reason, I'm just not high on Mississippi State. They didn't really do too – they did well in the SEC, but not super well. And I like that 12-5 matchup. I always pick 12 versus fives at least one time in the bracket, and that was one of them I predicted. Well, a little foreshadowing, <clears throat> that wouldn't be our only one. No. It wouldn't be our only one. I'm uh, moving down the bracket. Uh, Virginia Tech handled business against St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, really, no contest there. Um, this was seating wise, it wasn't an upset. But you guys heard all three of us put Maryland down. We just didn't buy into the Terrapins. <sighs> yeah, and <clears throat> they were able to beat Belmont, which to me is surprising. To me, it is an upset. They only, they beat them by two, and Belmont really, if you watch the game, kind of gave the game away. Couldn't find a way to close it out. I mean, Dylan Windler went for 35, yeah. superstar player. Mm-hmm. But Belmont kind of gave the game away the last three minutes there. Couldn't take care of the ball, stopped doing what got him the lead. And Maryland, to the Maryland's credit, Bruno Fernando played well. Yeah. Um, Jalen Smith. And like I said, it wasn't an upset seeding wise because it's six over 11. But to me, in my mind, <clears throat> matchup wise, everything else, to me, it was an upset. I had Belmont going to Sweet 16, I believe. I thought Belmont was going to be better than this. You mentioned Dylan Winder had 35 points, 11 boards. After, before that game against um, Temple, mm-hmm. he only had like five points or something like that. He didn't have a good shooting night. But he bounced back, and Maryland barely beat Belmont, 79-77. Well, you know the, the motto in this tournament is survive and advance. So, and yeah, that's literally, that yeah, that's literally all you had to do. Uh, you had the three seed LSU over Yale. Um, I Ooh. talked about Mieoni. He didn't really have a good game. I think he had like eight or ten points, but he struggled. His teammates really carried him because Yale was in this game for a long time. For a long LSU time. only beat him by five. Yeah. Um, Oni had five points, but he took 16 shots, two of 16, just a bad shooting night. Still a really good player, but his teammates stepped up. 
Um, he had he had Copeland with 24, Bruner with 16. I told you guys before when last week on the preview, Yale is a quality team. This isn't your dad or your granddad's Yale team. They can get up and score. LSU just had too much firepower at the end. Oh yeah, LSU had four players and double figures. So, um, and then uh, moving down the bottom side, the first game started the tournament off. Um, on Thursday, you had Minnesota and Richard Pitino versus dad's old team of Louisville. And we said Minnesota cannot – like they struggle shooting the ball. And what happens? This is ha- this is the tournament summed up for you. Minnesota comes out and hits like 13 threes on Louisville. They went 11 for 27. 11 threes, a team that typically shoots like 30% from three. Terrible. Jordan Murphy out of his mind. Amir Coffey. Amir Coffey had some shots. He had three people sometimes on him, it felt like, and he was just, bam. Jordan Murphy was hitting. They had – who was the one? Kasher. Oh, Kasher. Kasher. Went like five of five from one time at, from three or something crazy. Um, Oturu played good. Like, Minnesota looked out of this world good. Minnesota had no bench points. Yeah, none. All, all, all 86 points came from the starters. They had Amir Coffey, 18. Dupree McBray, 13. Um, you had the Cashler do 24, uh, Daniel Toro 13, and Jordan Murphy 18. No bench points. And they still beat Louisville by 10. Like, this was not the card team I expected to come out. I had picked Louisville, as, if you remember, going to the Sweet 16. And Louisville, A, picked a bad night to have a, a bad shooting night. And they picked a bad night to st- stop playing their, their fundamental style defense. Yeah, it was just a bad night all around. You know what happens in this tourney? Teams like Minnesota coming into the tournament, not shooting the ball well, and what do they do? They hit a, go 11 for 27 from three. It, it happens. Louisville did not come to play. Christian Cunningham had 22 points for Louisville. He was a leading scorer. Jordan Nolan had 10 points, but he had 11 boards. So a couple – Steve Enoch actually played well. He's one of the players that really got into the basket and really played well. He had 14 points and seven boards. Perry had 12 points. Um, Sutton didn't really shoot. He went 0 for 6 from 3. At the end of the game, we started to make a comeback. Uh, I, they Louisville lives and dies by that three-point line. They, if they're hitting, then it's fine. But if they're not hitting, they'll just force it up, and it's just bad shots. And I know we can hit them. McMahon, where has he been lately? He had that one good game against Michigan State where he dropped 24 points. And he's just not really shooting the ball well. He hit one three out of four attempts. I don't know what's going on. It sucks. You never want to go out first round. But congrats to Minnesota. They did well. They played well. And congrats to Richard Patino and his squad. I'll go ahead and give you a minute. We will do this as each of our seasons wind down. Um, Obviously, Louisville season ends. In my opinion, like I said, I'll let you kind of have the the floor for a couple minutes here to summarize your feelings on the season. Uh, but in my opinion, Louisville, you know, down the stretch they faltered. That Duke game really broke their psyche, I think. But still, all in all, it's a you would consider this year um, a good season, first year under Chris Mack, and really nobody expected them to be in contention even to make the tournament. All things considered, with scandals, but Mack put a team together. Uh, Jordan Nora started playing well. There's a lot of pieces, and in my opinion, Louisville's got the number three recruiting class coming in next year as of right now. Louisville's could be a handful, and I think they're ahead of schedule, but I'll let you take the floor, sir, and speak on your behalf from Card Nation on kind of summarizing the season now that it's over. 
So, my recap for this season for the Louisville Cardinals. Coming into this year, I had no clue how this season was going to play out. I didn't know how good we was going to be. This was Chris Mack's first season with the Cards, and all I really know about Coach Mack, that he had success at Xavier and had them to a number one seed last year before he came. So that's really the only thing I knew about him. But when he came in, man, he went straight to work, and he did it the right way. He went and brought in some grad transfers and Christian Cunningham from Richmond, Stephen Enoch from UConn, and even brought back a Coyer Gallo from the 2014 squad. <clears throat> so we had talent, but there's still questions going into the season about the Louisville squad. And as I look back towards the beginning of the season, all the way towards the end of it, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This season was a roller coaster of emotions for me, as most college fans would say. We had our highs and we had our lows. Our highs were taking a deep, talented Tennessee team to the wire and almost beating them at Brooklyn. Nearly, that was the first matchup against them, and we nearly beat them. Other highs were beating a Seton Hall team on the road with Miles Powell, who went off that game. That was our first true road game. Beating North Carolina at Chapel Hill by 21 points. That was crazy. Um, what else? We beat a top 10 ranked <clears throat> Michigan State team at home, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot I skipped over that. We beat a top 10 ranked Michigan State squad with Joshua Langford and Cassius Winston on that team at home. So that was a big win for us. That really helped our confidence. And that's what got us votes to be in the AP Top 25 poll. But our lows were getting beat by IU at Assembly Hall, even though they were playing well. That, that was a tough game to lose. Uh, getting beat by Kentucky at home, 71-58, that really sucked. After the uprising Kentucky team, they were starting to put, put it together then. Um, so that sucked. But our ultimate low was getting beat by Duke, having Duke, number one ranked Duke down 23 points at one point and let, at home mm-hmm. and letting them come back to beat us by two points. That one really hurt our confidence and really hurt our mentality going into the tournament time. But there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you don't want to get beat in the first round, but congrats to Minnesota. They went 11 for 27 from deep, like I said. It happens, but I can't hold my head down because we are ahead of schedule, like you said. And next year, we have a top-ranked recruiting class coming in, top five. And if Jordan Moore comes back next year, which I think he will, and I really hope he does, we will be a top-10-ranked team in the preseason. It's a tough way in the season, but hey, it happens, and I'm a college fan until I die. So yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. And the Norris situation is getting hairy now because he did play himself. I just looked; the most recent mock projection <coughs> that I've seen is Nora. They actually have the Pacers with like the 25th pick taking Nora. Ooh. So I, th- I think whatever pick the Pacers have, like 24, 25, 26, late first round, they have Nora <coughs> going to the Pacers. I wouldn't mind that. Well, I think if you're little, you still wouldn't come back. Well, I still want to come back, but if he does go, go to the patient. But, but Louisville is in good – they're in a good spot. Yeah, right they're now. not – yeah. But, you know, we did have um, – they did have Minnesota upset them 10-7. And then the final first-round matchup, Michigan State. Bradley gave Michigan State a run early. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave them a hell of a game. And Michigan State was able to pull away there at the end, winning 76-65. Michigan State, though, they seem like, especially when they're a two-seat, they seem to play around with these first-round games. And sometimes it gets them, sometimes it doesn't. A couple years ago as a two-seed, Middle Tennessee upset them. Yeah. And I kind of had flashbacks, because like, the Bradley team's okay, but they're not good. They're not great. No. And – Bradley almost got him, and then Michigan State does. You know, it's just about winning. It doesn't matter about one or a hundred. You win. Oh yeah. 
Moving on to the second round in the East. Oh, my Lord. The game of the tournament so far, in my opinion, I think probably everybody else's opinion you would poll. Duke, Central Florida. Now, we can discuss this one. We're going to spend a little time on this one. We got to. Duke was outplayed in about every facet of the game by Central Florida. Central Florida had the blueprint. Let me go ahead and spell this out. Central Florida has the blueprint for the rest of the teams in this tournament to beat Duke. Central Florida. Yes, and they have 7'6 center Taco Fall. But a team like LSU can do the same thing because they have big players too, and they have a deeper front court that would be able to do it. Yeah. But Central Florida said, you know what? <laughs> Trey Jones, Zion Williamson, um, Goldwire. Goldwire, you guys are going to shoot threes on us. If you hit, you'll beat us. Mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, y'all ain't getting nothing. No. And even though R.J. still ended up with 16 and Cam at 13, it still wasn't their typical performance. I mean, R.J. went 6 of 15. And they packed the pain in. They literally said, we're not guarding Trey Jones or Goldwire. No. They played. Whoever was guarding them backed off like 5 feet, 10 feet sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it worked, man. Every time Duke would make a run, get up 7 or 8, instead of folding – UCF threw a counterpunch yeah, and would find themselves tied or back in the lead. And I was like, wow, this game seesawed back and forth. And UCF had their chances, man. They were up four. You get a chance on a – you get a fast break, throw a lob, fumble the lob. You make the dunk, you go up six with like a minute to go. The game's in trouble. They fumble the lob, Duke turns around, Cam Reddish busts the three. Down to a one-point game. Yep. I mean, it seesaws. Then here's – it's controversial. I know we've had discussions over it. You want to talk about – I hate the charge call anymore. I hate it. Too. I hate it, and it's inconsistency. It's like if you drop a shoulder, it's automatic charge if somebody falls down. Yeah. The referees all year in every game have showed a precedent of doing this, right? hmm Play of the game last night, or at least one of them there towards the end. Duke's down three. Zion Williamson, they're running clock, too. They're not getting a good look. They're set, trying to settle for a three. Yeah. There was 15 seconds left. <clears throat> Zion finally hits the ball, goes by, uh, or tries to go by B.J. Taylor. Yep. Lowers his shoulder <sighs> into B.J. Taylor and plows him. B.J. Taylor went flying. Yep. No charge call. Nah. Zion goes up, <clears throat> goes through contact with uh, Taco <clears throat> Fall, gives Taco his fifth foul. Finishes the, the layup. Okay, no charge call. Zion misses the free throw. RJ Barrett, to me, it looked like a push in the back. But at the same time, Yusef didn't block out. Yes. You got to block out in a situation like that. Block out, get the rebound, go hit free throws. Game's maybe over with. RJ scores what ended up being the go-ahead bucket. UCF gets the ball, calls timeout half court. BJ Taylor gets a good look. He was going right towards the rim, pulls up from about, I don't know, probably eight feet. Yeah. With off the glass. He did. There was contact, too. Trey Jones was riding him. I don't care what anybody says. Argue with me. Trey Jones was all over him. It should have been a foul call on that. Mm-hmm. He gets a shot clean off the glass, misses it. Aubrey Dawkins, who has a hell of a game, flies in for a tip back. And it literally rolled around the rim and almost looked like it was about to drop. And it's like the Duke gods 
swipe the ball off the rim. It falls short. Duke escapes. And when I say escape, number one Duke, the best team in the nation, the overall number one seed, the best talent, escaped a game against UCF. Aubrey Dawkins went for 32, the game of his life. He grew up around Duke because his dad was a superstar at Duke. His dad was a former coach there. Yeah. I mean, all these storylines. Aubrey Hawkins had the game of his life. And I'm not going to get into this train no more. I've already explained it. I was about the calls. There should have been – it should have been a charge. And at the very least, Trey Jones should have got a foul on him in that last jumper. Well, before – a couple plays before that, Zion got called for a charge. He got called for a push-off. And I don't think that was a push-off. But they don't call that. That game plan UCF had, it worked because you look at these stats here. Trey Jones shot eight threes, only hit one of them. Zion shot seven, hit three. You got you just got to live with that. If he's hitting threes, bro, you got to live I'd with that. I would rather him <clears throat> hit threes on me than go just pound me inside. Yeah, 100%. No, Zion had a hell of a game, 32 points, 11 rebounds. Audrey had 16 and 8 and four assists. Duke played decent. They didn't play really well. You mentioned UCF, how they kept counter-punching and stuff like that. That showed toughness, and that showed heart for me. Because at halftime, I'm pretty sure they were down, and they would come storming back. Duke would go on the run. Here comes Central Florida right back with another run. It was back and forth. And the end game there, oh, my God. The I don't know. You can't really blame the refs, but – Trent Taco, I can't, I can't stop laughing at that. Taco Fall, whoever shot the three, and it was called, um, it was close to shot clock violation, and he caught the rebound and literally, oh, he just, he, he just stood, basically stood up and just dunked it. It was, it was like a dad playing with <coughs> a little son on a, a small rim. When he did that, I just started dying laughing. And by the way, I don't think that touched the rim. Doesn't matter. It has to be indisputable. Yeah, indisputable. Know, it yeah. doesn't matter. It was so close. They made the right call. Because yeah. if you overturn that, then it screws your whole <clears throat> rulings up, which they're not consistent anyways. That's what I'm saying about this charge call. Yeah. The referees is – you can't tell me. We went on the rant at the conference tournament, and it's still bad. You can't tell me referee in the last – at least, say, the last month. Last was, month. The last month so far this season. You can't tell me refereeing hasn't been awful in college basketball. It has. I agree with that 100%. They can't find us. They'll find coaches <laughs> for it. They can't find us. <laughs> it's yeah. been awful. It's been terrible. You gotta say how it is. It's been terrible. Last <laughs> month, ref release has been awful. They have too much power. But going back to this UCF Duke game, Duke at the end of the game there, Arby Dawkins, I think it was him. He missed that alley oop to make him go up six, and then came right shoot a three to make it within one. That was a at the end of the game there when Arby Dawkins had that tip in. I nearly jumped twice. I was ready to start jumping up. I did Michael, too. Like Michael Jordan when he hit the game winner back when he was playing. I almost did that twice. And that literally went all around the rim and just fell out. But that's a tough way to lose. I know of experience with Louisville. It's a tough way to lose. But, hey, UCF played great. And Duke squeezed by. And we just mentioned that. That's all <clears throat> you got to do. That's all and you got to do. Duke is talented enough. You just – Got a win, and they somehow found a way to win, and bravo to them. But that was an outstanding college basketball game. That was fun. Outstanding. Doesn't matter the winner at the <clears throat> end. A phenomenal college basketball game for the NCAA tournament. Super fun game to watch. Um, I hope the rest of the games from here on out are something like that. Me too. Um, so Duke moves on to the Sweet 16. You know, it's, I forget how many times Coach K has been. 
good on Duke. They're in the Sweet 16 in Washington, D.C. Who will they be playing? Um, Virginia Tech had a game with Liberty. And Liberty stuck around, stuck around, stuck around. But the end, like we said, Virginia Tech's offense is too much. Yeah. They play good defense. Uh, Kevin Blackshear is really, really good. Um, Nikhil Alexander, um, an NBA player. And Virginia Tech found a way to make a, their first Sweet 16 <clears throat> in a while. Yep. Buzz Williams is a hell of a coach. So, he so really far is. in the, the top part of the East there, we get a, it's chalk so far. You get 1-4 Duke versus Virginia Tech. Sweet 16 ACC rematch. And remember, Virginia Tech knocked off Duke last time. We will get to those predictions later on. Yep. Bottom part. You had LSU as a three playing Maryland the six. LSU wins on a Tremont Waters scoop layup that, like, hit the ceiling almost. (laughs) Did it not? Yeah. Which, if you look at the replay, I think he traveled. I think he took three steps. But <clears throat> whatever, LSU squeezed by Maryland, which once again survived in advance. They won 69-67. Fernando for Maryland had 10 points, 15 boards. Uh, for LSU, Skylar Mays led them in scoring with 16 points, went 4 from 8 from 3. Is he not? Oh, no, no, man. But yeah, he went 4 from 8 from 3. Javante Smart had 9 points off the bench. Uh, Tramon Warner's got the game winner. It's a little scoop layup, a little scoop. And the, so far, <coughs> and then we'll, hold on, I'll get to that here in just a second. And then who will join them in the Sweet 16? It's a it's a Big Ten clash rematch. Minnesota comes back down to earth. They don't shoot well. Michigan State suffocates them. Sparty moves on to another Sweet 16. So it, in the East, it's all chalk. One versus four, three versus two. Yep. Some good games. I'm looking forward to the LSU-Michigan State game we'll I'm get into later. That, yeah. And in this bracket, you have the two luckiest teams in the nation this season, Duke and LSU, because look how many close games that they've squeaked out. Oh, my God. Especially, yeah, especially LSU. Yeah. That's two I mean, of them. No, that's more than that. That's no, like, I'm talking about this tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah back-to-back close games. For sure. And then uh, going the regular <clears throat> season, I mean, they had a handful of close games. Yeah. You um, go Tennessee, back. Kentucky. You had some other ones down the – I mean, they squeaked them out. But Yeah. Um, so, the East, like I said, all chalk. We'll run through the West real quick because the West really nothing much happened. You you had (laughs) the the biggest, really the biggest thing in the in the West region happened. Murray State. We got our we got our um, point guard showdown in the West in the first round between Marquette five seed twelve Murray State. Um, Marcus Howard from Marquette and John Morant. John Morant showed out triple double. Marquette got their ass whipped. We all picked Murray State. Me, you, and Cook all picked Murray State, and they did not disappoint. Won by 19 points. John Morant's stat line, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, and he killed a man from Marquette. He drove the lane into him, dunked on that dude from Marquette. Dead. Oh, my good Lord. Dead. Go back to that play. If you haven't watched it yet, I shade it to the Facebook group. He throws it down low in a high post. He goes back door. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but hit him with a beautiful backdoor pass. And he shit all over that dude. Two-handed slam wide over him. I freaked out. Holy cow. That was my first time actually seeing John Morant play. And oh my lord. He is with an open floor <clears throat> game in the NBA. He is going, he's a superstar in college. He's going to be a megastar in the pros. And on the other side, Marcus Howard had 26 points. 
but he got most of that in the first half. He played great first half, second half. He, not so he much. shot. He got twenty six points, but he shot twenty seven times. Yeah. Well, he just kept for that was mostly the second half. He just kept forcing stuff. Dude, John Morant is John Morant. And then sadly, the run ended. Like I figured, I predicted it. Florida State in the second round um, suffocated on. Just had too much. John Morant had a decent game. Yeah, he oh, he remember, actually, he had a real good game. He started off five for five. five. Florida State said, we're going to back off, and he hit five for five from three. He started off hot. What can't the player do? Dude, I'm going to be so excited for him in the pros. I am, too, honestly. But yeah. looking looking at the West again, it kind of went all chalk. And Sweet 16 out <clears> West, we have it's all chalk again. Gonzaga, the one seed, playing four seed Florida State, which would be a really good game. And then on the bottom, you have three Texas Tech against two Michigan Michigan had a good game against Florida, who upset Nevada. Um, that bottom part, Texas Tech, Michigan is going to be a really good game because it's the top two teams in American defense. We're getting according to Ken Palm. Yeah, we're getting predictions later, but that's a good game to watch out for. And so, so is Gonzaga, Florida State. Gonzaga, Florida State, high offense against high defense. Yeah, that's a really good. And Florida <coughs> State's got the. We'll, we'll say we'll get into the predictions. <laughs> I'm about to yeah. start. Um, so that's the East and West kind of recaps from the first two weekends. We've got eight teams of the 16 set. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls again, let our ads roll, and we'll come back and catch you up on the South and the Midwest. Some interesting stuff happened we'll talk about on the next side of, of the break here. Hey, guys. Peyton here from ECB. I'm here to tell you about my wrestling podcast that's called The J3X Show. That's only on YouTube. You'll see predictions, pay-per-view views, and live streams on there. So go ahead and like, share, and subscribe. Also, go follow the show on Twitter at J3X Show. Ooh, yeah, brother. So like I said, we had, before we took a break, we have eight of the 16 teams already in the Sweet 16. Moving on to the South region. Uh, Virginia was the one seed there. Dude, you can't tell me all of America when Gardner-Webb, the 16, had them down at halftime by, was it like 12 points, 14 points? 12 points. When they had them down, all of America wasn't thinking, oh, my God, not again. Deja vu. Yeah. <laughs> but in second half, Virginia locked down, got by. Uh, Oregon. Oregon uh, upsets Wisconsin. A little Pac-12 love there. Oregon. Dude, they're playing. We'll get into the previews. Oregon is playing phenomenal right now. Dude, phenomenal. Hottest team in the country. At least one of the two. They are playing phenomenal. They were able to knock off the Badgers fairly handily, too. Yeah. The other side, another upset. It seemed like in this, we started getting more upsets on this side. 13 seed UC Irvine over 4 seed Kansas State. Now, Peyton, who, oh, who said that UC Irvine would do this? Uh, I think you did. You damn right. Uh, after watching UC Irvine a couple times, two or three times throughout the course of the year, and looking at their, their statistics, I just like the matchup. I don't trust – sorry, Bruce Webb, if you're listening to me. I don't trust you in the tournament. I know you beat <laughs> Kentucky last year. But, uh, you know, uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah. And Dean Wade being out really hurt. UC Irvine really put it on Kansas State. Which set up um, in the second round, 12 Oregon versus 13 UC Irvine, guaranteed a high seed going to the Sweet 16. Oregon Oregon went up 15 one point last night in that game too, and or UC Irvine put a run together, got the lead back, but Oregon just too much, man. Pritchard, too much. Pritchard runs that show, shoots the ball really well. I cannot think of the Ali something or another. 
transfer from Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, leads the nation in steals. Or he did last year and then or two years ago, and then he's right up there this year with Oregon. And then you have the dude down low, I can't think of his name right now, basically like a Jordan Bell clone. Oh, um, Wooten, Kenny Wooten. Wooten. Block shots, athletic. Dude, Oregon's a handful. So it sets up a Virginia-Oregon Sweet 16 matchup on the top side, bottom side of the south bracket. We had Villanova squeaking by St. Mary's. You had 3C Purdue having a little issue with Old Dominion early, but got by. Then you set up a matchup between the defending champs two of the last three years, Villanova against Purdue, and Purdue waxed that ass Dude. for Villanova. Beat them a damn near – they had almost down 40 at one point. I did not expect that at all. I had Purdue winning in my predictions, but I didn't expect <clears> – <throat> I thought it would be close. I had Villanova winning a close game, but Carson Edwards. Boy. Dude, it wasn't, it, it wasn't it, just him. It wasn't just him. It was that whole team. Ryan Klein shot well. Purdue's in the Sweet 16 in Louisville. <laughs> uh, they're a handful right now. For sure they are, yeah. Uh, you had Iowa. I thought Cincinnati would suffocate them, and Iowa showed me wrong. Iowa knocked off the Bearcats as a 10 seed, so we had another 10. That gives <laughs> us, so far as that we've mentioned, we have 10 Minnesota winning, 10 Florida winning. That made – Three for three for the 10 seeds. 10. Perfect 10. So, 10 seed dominating the 7 seed so far. Uh-huh. Uh, Iowa over Cincinnati. And then the Vols got a little struggle with Colgate for a while. Oh, too yeah. much down the stretch, though. Schofield hit two clutch shots back-to-back, back-to-back threes. He's what helped him got out through that game. So, yeah. So, um, that set up 10 seed Iowa versus 2 seed Tennessee. Tennessee went up one point at 25 points. Thought the game was over. I even wrote it in my notes. I advanced Tennessee. I was <laughs> not so fast. They came storming back from 25 down to send the game in overtime. And they had a chance to win it. Yeah. And once it went overtime, it was just too much. Grant Wood. They didn't even play Admiral. Admiral Schofield had four fouls. Yep. And he he didn't play at all in overtime. Yeah, he was on the bench. Didn't play. And Jordan Bone hit a couple key shots. Grant Williams made a big steal down the stretch, yeah. and Iowa just kind of ran out of gas. So we set up. This isn't all chalk here. We have one Virginia versus 12 Oregon, and you have three Purdue versus two Tennessee in Louisville for the Sweet 16. Very interesting matchups. I, I, can't, I cannot wait until next segment to get into breakdowns of these. Yeah, I see some interesting matchups, especially the Oregon-Virginia game. I'll get into that when we get to predictions, but it's iffy. So we we moved down to see who we set for the final four teams of the Sweet 16 and what we dubbed the group of death, the the bracket of death, death. region death, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Number one seed in that bracket or in that region, North Carolina, took care of business. Iona Iona had them down at halftime. Shot the ball. They hit like 10 threes at half. I mean, just crazy, ungodly, because this is what happens in tournament. Teams just make these runs. Hey, it's not conference play. It's tournament play now. But Carolina figured that zone out and ended up dicing up Iona. Yep. Speaking of zone, 8-9 matchup, Utah State-Washington. Real pick them. I mean, a real close game. I had Washington. I think you and Tyler both had Utah State. Yeah, we both had Utah State. Man. And at the end, um, Matias Thibel and the zone of the Huskies were too much for Utah State. Yep. Set up a matchup between North Carolina and that zone of Washington. And I thought I had North Carolina win in this game in my predictions. But I said Washington zone. 
as aggressive they are. Remember that I ran down how like they were leading steals, yep. uh, turnover percentage on deep, all the other stuff. <clears throat> yep. North Carolina had no issue with it. Yeah. North Carolina just diced them up from the word go. Nasir Little's playing really well right now. Kobe White's playing good. Carolina's a handful. Mm-hmm. Carolina moves on to their their record setting. They are leading the nation all time with Sweet 16 bursts. I think it's like 30 or 31 now. 30? I think it's 31. Okay, so, so it's it's in the 30s. Yeah. They're all, number one all time. Just added another one to it. Who will be joining them to play North Carolina Sweet 16 um, <clears throat> on Friday night? Well, on that side right there, you have the five-seed Auburn playing as hot as anybody in America, SEC tournament champions against the 12-seed New Mexico State. People thought this could be an upset, and New Mexico State gave them every – New Mexico State had a chance. They had a shot at the end, had a three-pointer to win the game, and completely whiffed on it. Yeah, it was a, they had a wide-open look. It was a beautiful play. But they completely missed the win. Wasn't even close. But, yeah, Auburn squeaked by. And Auburn's another <clears throat> case of survive in advance. Survive in advance. Yep. Survive in advance. Um, who would they play? Well, four seed Kansas. Tuck care of Tuck 13th care, yeah. Northeastern. Wasn't even a contest. Wasn't even a contest. I, that was the Kansas I expected to see. Set up a matchup on, <clears throat> uh, what was it, Friday night? No, Saturday night. Set up a matchup Saturday night. It was like it was the last game of the night. Yeah. And by the way, I watched damn near every game of this tournament. I knew I would, and I don't know. I'm sure most of you guys did too. But I literally watched. Obviously, you can't watch every single minute, every single game. But I watched every game at least probably. We'll say at the minimum, twelve minutes of every <clears throat> game. Yeah. I mean, flipping channels back and forth, but. I was excited for this late game on Saturday to determine who would go to face North Carolina on uh, in the Sweet 16. Auburn, Kansas, we talked about in the preview last week. What a matchup. And Auburn just – it was, you picked Auburn, me and Tyler picked Kansas. But we all said this is going to be a fun shootout game, really close game. None of us expected a blowout, especially not Auburn to blow them out in the first half. This, this game was over at halftime. Yeah. Auburn had them down 30 at one point, or damn near 30. It's like 27, 28 points. See yep. Bryce Brown, <clears throat> oh, my goodness, stroking the ball. Jared Harper stroking the ball. Chumeo Kiki, we've told you, Auburn. We've said this. I've said this all year about Auburn. Since back in Maui, I've told you Auburn has the talent to make a Final Four. Yeah. And my, my they just – dude, they, they ended Kansas. They literally ended their season, but – they, I've never, okay, I shouldn't say never, but it's been a long time since I've seen somebody break Kansas' will at halftime. Yeah, the problem with Kansas, they don't defend the three-point ball that really well. Like you've seen Iowa State, if they hit shots, Iowa State's dangerous. All I mean, if they hit shots, they're really dangerous. Well, I heard Bruce Pearl today on the radio talking to Dan Dockage, and Bill Self apparently had told the media after the game, is either the media or told Bruce himself, Bruce Pearl. He said, watching tape, man, I knew they were fast. He said, but it wasn't until we got on the floor. He's like, then I realized they're real fast because there was a couple possessions that first half. Kansas would even actually hit a shot. They'd hit a two or a three. And before you know it, Auburn's right down the floor within three seconds hitting a three on them. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. Auburn takes care of Kansas, ends Kansas season. Um, Tyler sent this in since he's not here, um, taking care of some, some personal stuff. 
This is Tyler's words, kind of like Peyton did with Louisville. Here's Tyler's synopsis of Kansas' season in his own words. This year for my Jayhawks has been one of the most interesting seasons I've got I've ever got to watch. AP overall number one started the season, losing our best big man to injury. Another to suspension. Then our best shooter leaves the team for personal reasons. Rumors flying around about coach, pulling a kid off redshirt halfway through the year. Things I've never seen before in my 16 years of following them. First loss of the conference championship in 14 years in the regular season. First year not ranked one or two seed in the tournament in nine years. With all that, I've never been more glued to the TV for my team than I have this year. Very, very promising freshman class. Lawson, who is just a pleasure to watch game in and game out. He says, my poor man's Tim Duncan, which I think is a very close um, comparison. Uh, it was such a roller coaster ride this season. I loved it. I've been so pampered with great ball teams that the struggle was something new. This, uh, sorry, that the struggle was something new but exciting. I was more into games somehow. I didn't know if we would win each game. In years past, I'd be shocked if we took a loss. But this team had so much promise going forward if they all returned, including Bill. One little fact on this team: finished the season with ten losses. Another ten loss season. Another team with ten losses in a season. 2013-2014 team. That team also had four starting freshmen. Frank Mason, Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, and Wayne Seldon were their names. So based off that, I can't hang my head when they did as well as this year as a team who had NBA All-Stars and National Player of the Year on the roster. Disappointed to see my boys go down in the second round, but my, they never are gone to, in my mind, they're never gone for too long. Like I said last week on my crazy final thoughts, rock chuck until the end. I'm forever a fan. Look out for my Jayhawks next year. And I think that's really well <laughs> spoken or really well put. Yeah. And I think that's very true. Kansas, it wasn't a typical Kansas year. And a lot happened that <laughs> unexpected. And it's definitely weird to see them go down in the second round. But the future, you know, and barring they escape the NCAA investigations and all that. Future's bright in Kansas. Yeah, I, after he sent us that, which was, you put it, it was really well put, and that's correct. I went and did some little bit of research going into recruiting, because I didn't know if Kansas signed anyone or committed anyone yet. And they ended up doing, they have two guys who signed their letter of tent. They have four-star Isaiah McBride from Little Rock, Arkansas, and they got Christian Braun, who's a four-star, 6'5", Who's from Northwest Overland Park, Kansas? So, got and there's some running for guys like Matthew Hurt. Matthew Hurt's their number one guy. Trenton Wofford. So, and, yeah, it'll be told. <clears throat> but with that said, you know Auburn's rolling right now, and it sets up a very, very fun matchup between North Carolina and Auburn. Bottom side of the bracket, we had another upset. Eleven seed Ohio State over six seed Iowa State. Iowa State Big Twelve Conference Tournament champions. Did not call that. I thought Ohio State was struggling. They were a bubble team that got in, and they went to work on Iowa State. That was shocking. I did not, you know, I, I, Ohio State barely squeaked in. Uh, that that game against IU where they won, that most likely put them in the tournament. And Iowa State, I thought they would come out and shoot the ball well and get past Ohio State, but it did not happen. That was shocking. I had, I had Iowa State in the Sweet 16. I think I had I think I had Iowa State close to Sweet 16. I don't remember. Well, who will Ohio State be playing in the second round? Well, it didn't take long to figure out because <clears> Houston <throat> ragdolled Georgia State. Wasn't even a contest. Houston ragdolled. 
So it set up a second round matchup between Ohio State and Houston. Houston kind of ragged all Ohio State too. Houston's defense is really good. Explosive defense, good offense. It's a formula for success. I think mm-hmm. that gave them 30 some wins on the year now. So Houston is in their first Sweet 16 since the uh, five Slamma Jamma teams back with Hakeem Lajuan and them, Clyde Drexler back in the 80s. So who's Houston going to be playing? The last spot for the Sweet 16 is on the line. We had seven seed Wofford against ten seed Seton Hall, and an explosive matchup. Wofford's offense ungodly. Fletcher McGee sets the all-time record in the NCAA Division One, five hundred nine three pointers. He just, dude, he was Curry like catching the ball, shooting there late in the game. End up putting Seton Hall away. Wofford ended up playing Kentucky. Kentucky dismantled Abilene Christian. Sons without P.J. Washington, it didn't matter. It did not matter at all. It didn't matter. Ree Travis, good game. Kelton Johnson goes for 25. And in a good game between Wofford and Kentucky, Kentucky did not shoot the ball well. Wofford led for a, a good majority of that game. and But they completely took Fletcher McGee out. He had some good looks that he just wasn't hit and went 0 for 10, 0 for 11 from 3. 0 for 12. 0 for 12 from 3. <clears throat> I'd say probably half of them were good looks he just missed, and the other half were contested. Give credit to Tyler Hero because Hero really put the clamps on him. Let me say this real quick. Because after that game, I put something on Facebook, on a group, and said, Fletch McGee, what the hell are you doing? He went 0 for 12 from 3. And he just the two days before that he set the all time record D one for three point field goals made five hundred and nine. He's a hell of a shooter, but some of those shots he shot were bad shots. I think mostly probably the twelve shots he took from three. I say probably eight or seven of them were bad shots or contested, and the other half weren't. I know we can hit those. I know he practices them and practice, but I don't care if you're Steph Curry. Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, or whoever, Fletcher McGee, it don't matter. When you're not having a hot hand and your teammates are, Hoover went four from five from three. He had 19 points. He had a hell of a game. There was other players on the team who were hitting, and he wasn't. He just kept on shooting. And I really do not like the mentality of the whole shooter-shoot mentality. I somewhat agree with it, but mostly I don't agree with it because if you're not hitting, do not force the ball do not keep shooting bad shots. If you're open, fine, whatever. But props to Kentucky. Ashton Hagens, Tyler Hero, and even Jamar. What's his name? Jamar, Jamar Baker was a hell of a Baker. Game. Baker played great. He had he guarded him a couple times, got aggressive. And Hero, you said something on Facebook, posted on Facebook, that he told Cal, hey, let me get Fletcher McGee. Yep. And I love that. And big he, fan of Hero after I heard that. He's a gamer, son. He's he, a gamer. Yeah, he's a baller. He don't care. He'll take on the other guy's best player, but Fletcher McGee shot them out of the game. I'm just saying that right now. <clears throat> I like Fletcher McGee. I have nothing against the kid, but you got to say how it is. He shot them out of the game. Yeah, and then he wants to get on there, and he might have some validity to it. You know, after the game, he mentioned something. Even if he had just a bad game, that they would have still beat Kentucky if he had just had a few shots. <clears throat> There's some validity to that, but come on now. It, that's two. If Hero hit shots, it, it, it put it this way. If Tyler Hero hit shots – or Kelvin Johnson hit shots, there's a good saying, too, that Wofford gets blown out by 20. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it, it goes six. either way. Just <clears throat> But Kentucky makes their – we've mentioned North Carolina is number one in Sweet 16 appearances. Kentucky is number two. That was their 27th Sweet 16 appearance, third in a row. 
Uh, it's all chalk in the Midwest. One Carol. Oh no, it's not. Sorry, one Carolina, five Auburn, three Houston, two Kentucky. Yep. Sweet sixteen set. And the next segment, we will really get into some stuff breakdown. Um, we did want to give a little love to the NIT, though. You know, NIT is <clears> also <throat> going on right now. And Peyton, just kind of let me find where I've got the NIT at. <laughs> oh, God, I think I tucked it away. Peyton, go ahead. I think you've got it pulled up, don't you? No, I got the women's pulled up. You want to go ahead and just go ahead and do, do the women's while I pull the men's. Just, I don't know where in the heck it is. <clears throat> so, one thing in the women's, I did go live on Twitter after selection Monday, which that you got. There it is. I found the men's NIT. We can do that real quick next. All right. So, I did a live video, did my predictions on Twitter and stuff like that. And some teams I want to watch out for is BYU. Now, I actually watched a game of theirs, and they're back behind freshman Shelly Gonzalez, who's averaging 17.3 points per game. Uh, she's a West Coast Conference leading scorer for freshmen. She's a great player, and BYU is a good team to watch out for. They end up winning their first round matchup against Auburn, 10 seed Auburn. And <clears throat> you know what's weird to me? What was a one seed in Albany? And UConn's the two seed. Dude, that's, that's so super weird, weird to see, to see. UConn. As a two seed, uh, looking at some of these games, you know Kentucky and that winning. I really think matchup. I, I really think Louisville got screwed. They're the one seed, and they get UConn. Even if UConn's <clears> a two and Louisville's beat them, you still don't want to see that. No, not at all. I actually have Louisville winning it all, beating UConn and then beating um, Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame getting the rematch, the trilogy. Well, not really a trilogy. Notre Dame beat them twice, but some interesting stuff. You know, Kentucky they won. So yeah, they play North Carolina State tonight. Actually, Lady Cats are good. Lady Cats are real good. Ryan Harper, freshman player of the year in the nation. Not only just SEC, but she's a freshman player of the year. Macy Morris is real good. Indiana won theirs. Indiana. Um, Allie Patberg from just down the road in Columbus North High School. Um, Ms. Indiana basketball a few years back. Well, originally goes to Notre Dame at Indiana. Indiana has got potential. They play the two seed Oregon. They Oregon actually it, already uh, beat them. Oh, Oregon already did beat them. Sorry, yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah, well, the lettering is super small. Okay, <laughs> so it's hard to see. We anyway, so I mean, it's good. They got to win. So yep. But you mentioned Kentucky. They play the winner of that game against Kentucky and North Carolina State. They play Iowa in the Sweet Sixteen, and Iowa got a good player in Megan Gustafson. I seen her in the Big Ten tournament championship game. Big Ten tournament championship game. She has a double-double, I think. She averages a double-double, 20-some points per game. She's a great player. It's some interesting stuff in the women's. I don't follow the women's that much, but when I do, it's a fun time to watch. I tell you what, I got an upset special. Should Notre Dame get by Michigan State tonight in the second round, which they should, they'll play Texas A&M. Texas A&M is always a good program. I like the Aggies knocking off. Notre Dame in that. I think that's real interesting. I'm with you. I think Louisville knocks UConn off again. But, boy, if you're Louisville, that's a terrible draw. It's a tough matchup. Mississippi State, I like them going through as the one, making it to the Final Four. And then the other one seed, Baylor. I'd like to say Kentucky makes it through and makes their first Final Four, but I don't see Baylor being beat. Well, upset alert. I I remember this now. I actually have South Carolina beating Bailey. You know, South Carolina, they're a good program for women's team. They normally have good teams. And I like South Carolina pulling up the upset against Bailey. Yeah. So there's a little women's tournament talk for you. Let's go ahead and real quick, let's touch on the NIT. 
Um, as some people like to joke around, it's called the not invited turn, but it's still some good basketball. Like we've mentioned, the NIT is trying out new rules, trying out a new wider rules. lane, bigger three point line, all this other stuff. Yep. They are down to their final eight teams. Um, everybody playing for the chance to go to Madison Square Garden in the final four. You have the one seed up top, Lipscomb, um, will be playing NC State, the two seed. Interesting stuff. Lipscomb's one of those teams that was highly on the bubble. Or sorry, Lipscomb was a five seed. UNC Greensboro was one, sorry. But Lipscomb was still one of those teams that was on the bubble, the, the debate. Remember, they they talked trash to Indiana. Neither <laughs> one of them made it. But they might get their chance because Lipscomb beats North Carolina State. They make the Final Four of the NIT. Indiana, Wichita State. Indiana's won two games. Actually playing pretty well right now. Um, without Romeo Lankford. Romeo Lankford. D- Devontae yeah, Green is playing bombs. really, really well right now. Yeah, he had 18 points against the last match. Al Durham, this is this is the kind of stuff. Now, I know Indiana fans, nobody wants to be in NIT. But the silver lining is if you guys, especially you guys, got a bunch of guys coming back. And obviously, Morgan's not coming back of being a senior, and probably Romeo's not. But guys like Devontae Green, Al Durham, um, Rob Fennessy, you name them. You get a chance to play extra games and a chance to win a championship. You can really carry that momentum into next year. Yeah, in MSG, Madison Square Garden. So oh, they've yeah. already beat St. Francis, uh, Pennsylvania after a slow start. They beat Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't have Daniel Gafford. He's already declared for the draft and left. But still, it's a revenge game. Yeah. Arkansas already beat them. Now they get a chance to beat Wichita State and shut up. Um, shut up. Uh, God, what's their coach's name? I can't think of his name. Greg Marshall. There you go. On the other side of the bracket, you have um, Norfolk's take upset Alabama. We'll get some Alabama news later on. Just bad. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Norfolk State and Colorado hasn't played their second round game yet. But uh, Xavier over Toledo. Texas was over South Dakota State. Mike Dom's career ended. And then Texas went ahead and beat Xavier. So Texas is waiting the winner of Norfolk State, Colorado. Winner goes to the final four of the NIT. TCU, the one seed in the bottom part of that beat Sam Houston State, and then also beat Nebraska. Nebraska had beat Butler. Um, Memphis beat San Diego State. Creighton beat Loyola Chicago. And Creighton beat Memphis and Penny Hardaway. Penny, got a great team coming next year. You better do something with it. You have to do something. So TCU and Creighton, the winner, that goes to the NIT Final Four. Real quick, got any predictions? Who wins the NIT? Lipscomb. They get it done and win the NIT. I'm going for all the Indiana fans. I see Indiana's playing well. I think they've got something to play for. Hoosiers cut down some nets at least, win the NIT and Madison Square Garden. I think it'll be Indiana and who's on the other side? Well, Indiana and Texas. Indiana versus Texas. Archie Miller versus Shaka Smart. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun matchup in the garden. I'm going to say Texas versus Lipscomb. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. NIT, though, you know, good stuff. And God, we hate to see career. I mean, to the two guys who top top ten all time in the all time scored three thousand point scores. Campbell got beat in the first game. Chris Clemens, our dude, his career ended, and we mentioned South Dakota State and Mike Dom's Mike career. The bomb, Dom. So there's some women's action recap and some NIT men's. Um, before before we go into uh, one more or go into another break and we'll come back with the sweet 16 preview. We want to tell you about our good friends and sponsor applied right painting services, applied right painting services. 
does commercial, industrial, um, any kind of painting job that you want. They've currently been the last few weeks working down in Lexington. They normally serve the greater Indianapolis region, but obviously they've branched out. They do a tremendous job. We would not push a product or a brand or a company if they weren't good people and applied right. You know, J.R. Rowe, um, Todd Idol, Larry Rowe, they're good people. Yes. And applied right painting service, it says right here, they do residential, commercial, industrial, institutional, new construction, repaints. Their slogan, quality craftsmanship is our commitment to you, serving Indianapolis and surrounding areas, including Avon, Columbus, Fishers, Greenwood, and Zionsville. And like I mentioned, they're down in Lexington. Yep. Good stuff, man. You can reach Todd Idle at 765-592-3679, Larry Rowe at 812-447-7970. You guys get something done through them. Let them know that you came through Everything College Basketball. Drop our name. You'll get um, – we get a little kickback to it. It'll help you guys out. Everybody wins. Applied Right Painting Services. Don't go to anywhere else for your painting needs. With that being said, we will get down and start to break down these Sweet 16 and Elite 8 matches. We will tell you after everything shook out, we will tell you on the other side who makes the Final Four with the brackets as is, how sweet it is. Episode number 17 rolls on after this. What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPW Show. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops. Hey, we are back to preview these games for the Sweet 16. Looking at some of these matchups, man. Got me a little, little jittery. You now I'm ready for this. I'm ready to predict these and hope I get something right this time. So, yeah. I'll um, take it away. Yeah. Um, dude, the Sweet 16 is always interesting because we've mentioned it earlier with the exception of Oregon and Auburn, it's all chalk. You know, had broke down some interesting stats. How 2009, it was Matt Norlander from CBS, Island College Basketball, had tweeted out last night that 2009 and 2019, if I could spit it out, <laughs> 10 years apart, the eerie similarities that both of them literally break down the same way as far as brackets in the Sweet 16. It's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, five, and one, two, three, twelve as far as seedings go. Yeah. And then Mike Rutherford of Card Chronicle, who covers Louisville Athletics, yep, had subtweeted him, I guess is what you'd call, or responded to him. Yeah. With even more on that, which both years you know, 2009 also included three teams from the same conference as one seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, it's Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, ACC. 2009, you had 
I want to say – I know it was Louisville and UConn. I'm wanting to say the other one was Syracuse, but it might have been Pittsburgh. I don't remember off the top of my head. But either way, yeah. three from the Big East, number one seed. Um, 2009 included the number one overall seed, which was Louisville at the time, potentially playing in the lead eight, the number two seed. Michigan State, this year the number one overall seed, Duke, would have to potentially play the number two seed, Michigan State. Um, just all sorts of weird, crazy parallels and similarities. That's just really creepy, by the way. It really is. And you mentioned on Facebook group that Andy Katz from NCAA does all that stuff. He said, out of all these Sweet 16 teams, Kentucky is the weakest, and I do not agree with that at all. Or at least he said one of the weakest. One of my bad. One of the weakest. I do not agree with that at all. If you're talking about the weakest. I'll put Houston in there. I'll put Virginia Tech in there. No offense to those teams. I just think they're not playing as good as Kentucky. Duke's number one, in my opinion. Well, let's go ahead real quick. Let's just spend let's a co- just spend a minute or two here. Let's if we <clears> reseeded <throat> them based on who we think's the top to the number sixteen. One, we would say Duke, even yes. though with the scare from UCF, they're still the best team, right? One hundred percent. Carolina two. Yep. Gonzaga three. Yeah. Auburn. Auburn, four. Yeah. Virginia, five. Yep. Purdue, six. Yes. Um, Michigan State, seven. Yeah. Kentucky, eight. Kentucky, eight. Tennessee, nine. Tennessee, nine. Um, Texas Tech, Tech, ten. ten. Michigan, eleven. Oregon. Oregon, twelve. LSU, thirteen. Yeah. Florida State, fourteen. Virginia Tech, fifteen. Yeah. And then Houston, sixteen. Yeah, I think that's right. Man, that's still a really good list, though. And that's for playing, like, right now. We're not talking about, like, talent-wise or whatever like that. And I know Houston, we would say, oh, maybe, you know, in ours, they're 16th of 16. And they blew out Georgia State, and they beat up on Ohio State. But it's still – there's a lot to be factored in. They're going to get a test because they play Kentucky in the Sweet 16 on Friday night. Mm-hmm. It's going to be definitely a test. So let's go ahead and let's get – just dive headfirst into it. Everybody's been waiting on it. You know, as it sets now, Sweet 16, we have one seed Duke in the East. We have one seed Duke versus four seed Virginia Tech in a rematch. Last two, last time these two teams met about a month or so ago in Blacksburg. Um, of course, Duke was Sons, Zion Williamson. Virginia Tech really put it on Duke. Shot the ball well, ran in <clears> transition, <throat> suffocated him on D, held Duke at bay, and – Really put it on. I think if I remember off the top of my head that the only Dookie that played well that night was Cam Reddish. Yeah, he played well. I think RJ had a decent game too. Yeah. But it's everything changes when Zion's on that floor. Yeah. So what do you think? What's your outlook on this one? Duke, Virginia Tech. First matchup, Virginia Tech won 77-72 without Zion. They played again in the conference tournament. 75, or maybe not one's conference tournament. I don't actually remember. But Duke won, or Duke lost. Or, no, Duke won, sorry, 75-70. Uh, close game both times. So this is interesting to me. Duke's offense is great. They don't really run like a legit offensive set or anything like that. It's basically two, they got two big-time players in Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Trey Jones is there too. But without those, without their starting five or the really big time four, their bench is not that very good. You know, it's they got the Javon Delorier, they got Goldwire, but Goldwire is a better defender. He's one of the best defenders in the nation, and um, 
Virginia Tech and Duke only played once. Then what you're looking at is the preview. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah, Virginia Tech, the only game they played, they won. I was sitting there confused. Yeah, my bad. I was looking at Keen Palm, and I forgot how they do this. I, they, they give their prediction. Keen Palm I, has yeah. Duke winning 75-70. Okay. It only bad. gives Virginia Tech a 34% chance. My apologies. I forgot about that. I forgot they do predictions. But, okay, so they only played once, and Virginia Tech ended up pulling a W without Zion there. I think this is a different matchup. Zion's going to be prepared. He's having a hell of a tournament. Uh, I mentioned last game against UCF, he had 32 points and 11 rebounds, double-double. And he's playing well, but let's see who Virginia Tech's. See if they have any scoring opportunities. They're a great offensive team, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop Zion. I think RJ Barrett's going to have a good game. So I like Duke winning that and advancing to the lead eight. Who do you like? Well, I do like Duke in short, but we've mentioned the blueprint to beat Duke now was laid by UCF. And if anybody knows how, I mean, again, it's without Zion. Virginia Tech does have a win on them, which makes things very, very interesting. Um, Virginia Tech obviously can score the basketball. They are right up there in the top uh, top of the nation in scoring offense. Actually, they are 12th in adjusted offense efficiency on Ken Palm. Kevin Blackshear is a really good player. Yeah. We'll be able to athletically give Dukes forward some issues, his ability to step out, drive the basketball, rebound on both ends. But I think just at the end of the day, and this will be interesting too because both these teams, the East Regional is played in Washington, D.C. It's kind of a home game for both teams. Duke yeah. travels well. They go, especially on the East Coast right there, Washington, D.C., Virginia Tech. It's kind of right in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think Duke just has too much. I think, yeah. I think at the end of the day, and I know the cliche, and we've all got Zion fatigue and all that, and I get that. I fully understand. But I do think at the end of the day, he's the difference maker because a team like Virginia Tech – Virginia Tech's typically a man-to-man team, too, under Buzz Williams. If they're smart, they zone. Mm-hmm. You will zone and you will just live with Duke hitting 25 threes on you. You live with it. Because if any other way, you can't let them run in transition. They'll kill you. You can't let them attack the rim. They'll kill you. The only thing you can do – is zone them up and pray they have a bad shooting night and clean the glass. You do that, slow the tempo, hit your own shots. I know it's a lot of what-ifs, but and then get them in foul trouble. A team like Duke who doesn't play a lot of people, you know, Goldwire plays, Javon Delorier plays. I haven't seen Jack White play yet. Me either. Um, but they're really not deep. They're not deep. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Marcus Bolden, you know, they're not deep. No. Get them in foul trouble, see what happens. But I think at the end of the day, I think Ken Palm's about right. They predicted 75-70 for Duke. I like the Dukies a little bit more than that. I like Duke by about 10, um, 82-72. Give me Duke moving to the Elite Eight. A couple of things on Duke, and most importantly, Zion. I almost feel bad for the kid because he's getting like so much hate from the college basketball nation, and it's not, it's not his fault. It's ESPN and all these analysts who keep on hyping him up. You constantly see him on ESPN. And it's just getting to that effect. It's a Zion effect. You do not want to hear about a player when Kentucky and North Carolina is playing or something like that. You don't want to see highlights of Zion dunking the ball on every time on SportsCenter. And I feel bad for him. He's a good kid. He, he has my respect for not going to the NBA 
when a lot of people thought he should have when he got injured. So he has my respect. I actually like the kid. I think he's a great player. He's a great college basketball player. And he has a bright future ahead of him. I just think he's getting so much hate because ESPN and all these analysts, he just keep on hyping him up. And it's just a Zion effect. You're getting tired of it. And, I mean, that is. But who would the Dukies be playing? Um, you got three-seed LSU, two-seed Michigan State. Um, conference champions, respectively, LSU – SEC regular season champs, Michigan State, co-Big Ten champions with Purdue. I've said all along, and I said last week on our preview when we broke down the whole bracket, I like LSU in this matchup. I did think LSU would be playing Louisville, though. But either way, LSU to me is so big and so athletic, and they shoot the ball. They don't really have a weakness, per se. Maybe shooting the ball consistently um, and – not making silly turnovers, closing the game out. But really, I like LSU. And they're doing this without Will Wade. They've adjusted already. They lost the first game in the SEC conference tournament they played in. They bounced back with two good wins over Yale and Maryland and the NCAAs. Uh, I think they've adjusted fine. They've got plenty of talent. And I think they're going to do to Michigan State. We've mentioned LSU when we've talked about them throughout the year. How well LSU rebounds the basketball, especially on the offensive glass. Michigan State historically has been a great rebounding team under Tom Izzo. LSU, however, rebounds the ball, like I said, at a high, high rate. Um, they're eighth in offensive efficiency or offensive rebounding percentage in America. Yeah. Um, I actually think that they're higher than that. They have big, wide bodies. They throw themselves at the glass. Even the guards get down there and rebound. They have a playmaker in Tremont Waters. The game inside the game for this, me, is Tremont Waters' small guard versus Cassius Winston's small guard. Uh, man, LSU, 40th in the nation in block percentage, 12.2% of the time on defense blocks. Steal percentage, 6th in the nation, 12.3%. And that's a lot to do with Tremont Waters mm-hmm. getting in there, stealing the basketball. Um, Javante Smart, yeah, uh, Skyler Mays. What I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, I like LSU over Michigan State. Give me a Duke-LSU matchup in Elite Eight. Good Lord, that'll be fun. I think this matchup is very interesting, and I'm very excited to see this game. And I believe, yeah, it's on Friday, so that's the game. I'm going to watch this game because it's going to be a fun game to watch. Cassius Winston, he's playing phenomenal these past couple of months. Uh, last game against um, who they – oh, Florida. Oh, no, not Florida. Who they beat? Oh, Minnesota. He had 24 points, I believe. He had a hell of a game. He's playing great. He's one of the top point guns in the nation. He was an honorable mention on our Magic Award we did a couple weeks ago. And um, he's a great player. And Tremont Waters on LSU, great player. He can shoot the lights out. Javante Smart, he can hit. You've seen it before against Tennessee. He had 32, 30 points or something like that. Skyler Mays, he can hit. But LSU, the way they crash the glass – is unmatchable. They're talented. They're big and they're athletic. Cavell Baby Williams can go get the rebound. Nas Lee can rebound. Skylar Mays, if he needs to, he can rebound. They've got guys who can crash the glass and rebound. And they also hit shots. I mentioned their backcourt. Skylar Mays, he can hit the ball really well. Tremont Waters and Javante Smart, they can all hit. I'm going to save my prediction for a little bit later when we get into another segment. But Either way, it's going to be a close game. It's going uh-huh. to be a very close game. What? <laughs> what? Okay, okay. Um, anyways, 
So I have Duke and LSU, and that'll be absolutely extraordinarily fun to watch should that play out. Duke, you know, uh, top three players in America came to play at Duke. You got, also got Trey Jones. We've mentioned, everybody knows. I just t- went over LSU. I think LSU could do some stuff to really affect Duke. Um, UCF, I just mentioned the game plan that UCF put down to defend Duke. Just think of LSU doing the exact same thing with a deeper front court and better players. Yeah, they might not have seven foot six Taco Fall, but they have seven foot one um, Naz Reed, who's athletic, who can actually shoot the three, mm-hmm. who can defend on a high ball screen, who's not limited and causes problems. They also have Cavell Bigby Williams. They are loaded. I don't know if people still to this day realize how loaded LSU is. And they've been in close games. This is a matchup I mentioned earlier, too, of probably the two luckiest teams in America. LSU could very well knock Duke off, and there's a part of me that wants to say LSU pulls the upset, but I just don't know Oof. if it's enough. I'll stick with my original prediction. Duke in a very close one by about three points, moves on, wins the East, moves on to the Final Four. You know, okay, I see what you're saying now. I went not you thinking. Let me go ahead and spoil alert. Yeah, because you wouldn't have a – sorry, I forgot I wasn't thinking. Bank on it. LS, number three seed LSU would defeat number two seed Michigan State to advance to the Elite Eight to face Duke. I think LSU, like I said, can give MSU problems with how big and athletic they are and the way they clash the glass is going to give MS Spartans problems. Plus, LSU has guys like Smart, Waters, and Mace who hit deep shots. Come on now. LSU in a close game. Now, LSU versus Duke. LSU is a great team. You mentioned how talented they are. And Charles Barkley here lately has been saying that he thinks LSU has <clears throat> the best talent in the nation, or one of the best talented players in the nation. And I don't know if I agree with that, but I think they really have talented players who can give Duke problems. And I like to see LSU zone them a little bit. Because you see what Syracuse did against uh, against Duke in their regular season. They zoned them the whole game, and they ended up winning with Zion on the floor. But I think Zion's still a factor. RJ Barrett's still a factor. Uh, I like Duke in that game against a close one, like a five-point, four-point game. So I like Duke winning, and yeah, that's my prediction on that. So we both have Duke over LSU, correct? Correct, in a close one. So we have Duke stays the same. Moving down to the West, we have one seed, Gonzaga, versus four seed, Florida State. A hell of a defensive matchup. Long, athletic guys all over the place. Um, I actually had Gonzaga get knocked out prior to this. I thought Syracuse. Syracuse didn't even beat Baylor, so Gonzaga took care of Baylor. But in this matchup, the Bulldogs and the Seminoles, this is kind of mirror images of each other. Gonzaga shoots the ball a little bit better, but I think Florida State rebounds and defends a little bit better. Like I said, both long athletic teams. At the end of the day, you've got to make shots to win. Give me Gonzaga just in a squeaker. I'm going to say this a lot because I think these matchups are all really close. Give me Gonzaga in a squeaker, but don't be surprised if the Knowles knock out Gonzaga. FSU, Florida State, Seminoles. In my opinion, they're a Final Four caliber team. Members of the group, Nick Vincent, produced a poll on a Facebook group and asked, do you think Florida State's a Final Four caliber team? And I voted yes. I think how big they are, 
with um, Kevin Jale. And uh, there's another dude who's like 7'2". I can't think of his name right now. But they're tall. And the question is, can they hit shots consistently? And I think in this tournament, they can and they will. I think Florida State was squeaked by, like you said, squeaked by Gonzaga. I'm just not high on the Zags. They're a great offensive team. But the question is, can they defend and can they stop Florida State's athleticism and how big they are? I think not. So I like Florida State winning in a close three-point game. That's very interesting. I still It's a real good one. We just, like said, Florida State's got everything you need to beat Gonzaga. Just I don't know how consistent they shoot. Yeah. The bottom part, who would play them? Well, you've got Texas Tech, Michigan. We alluded to the top two teams in the nation defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Texas Tech, Jarrett Culver. Michigan's starting to get back in a little bit. Um, they've got Charles Matthews back, Iggy Brasdakis. They've got a lot of weapons, a lot, a lot of weapons. Well, I'm sticking. I'm not getting off the horse yet. I'm sticking with my original prediction. I go Texas Tech in another close one. <clears throat> I just think that they have a factor in Jarrett Cole. I think Michigan has a better overall team, but I think what Texas Tech does defensively will slow Michigan down enough because Michigan doesn't get a lot of possessions either. That's something that's underrated. They don't – you know, they work the shot clock a lot. They don't – they'll run transition. They have an easy one, but they like to slow it down. And in a game that possessions matter, if you get behind some, even though they can be explosive, you know, a guy like Jarrett Culver could go off for 30, put you behind the eight ball, and then you have to speed yourself up and get out of your normal rhythm on offense. I like Texas Tech by four or five points. I think Jarrett Culver has a monster game. I'll I'll go ahead. I'm not going to say bank on it. I'll just give a a bold prediction for this game. Jarrett Culver – not only is Texas Tech win, Jarrett Culver goes for about 32, 33. You know, we did our predictions last week. I have Texas Tech winning this, and I still have Texas Tech winning this. I got Tech going to the Final Four. I think in this tournament, if you can defend as well as Texas Tech does, and plus you have a super solid level of player and um, – Jarrett, Jarrett Culver. Culver. I don't know why I failed his name. Jarrett Culver, who I think is top 10 in the mock draft, or at least he was last week, I believe. I don't know if he's still there. But I like Texas Tech in this one. My question for Michigan fans, who is your number one bucket getter? Because I really don't know. And I know you have a lot of talent. You have Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole, who I'm a fan of, and you have Buzdakis. But who in the trenches, who's going to be your number one player? Okay, I need you to go get a bucket. Do it now. I don't know. Texas Tech, on the other hand, if they need a bucket getter, they got Jared Culver. He can score. And I like Texas Tech winning this. This is going to be a defensive battle. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I see this being like low 60s, mid-60s. I don't see it being a high-scoring game at all. Texas Tech wins by f- six points. So in mine, I have for the winner of the West, the wild, wild West. You have the one-seed Gonzaga Bulldogs versus the three-seed Texas Tech Red Raiders. And as good as offense as Gonzaga has, and they're bigger than Texas Tech, they're longer than Texas Tech, they shoot better. I'm a firm believer defense wins games. I'm sticking with them. My, my original prediction still holds true. Give me the Texas Tech Red Raiders to move on to Minneapolis and make their first ever Final Four. Texas Tech over Gonzaga makes Final Four. I have Texas Tech taking on Florida State. Both teams can defend. Florida State's tall and more athletic than uh, Texas Tech. 
But like I said, same thing for uh, Michigan. They don't really have a star player to go get them buckets late in the game. Texas Tech does. And I think if Florida State's not consistent, which I don't think they will be in this game, I think Texas Tech's going to run right through them. And though Texas Tech wins by nine points and advances on. That's my prediction. Very, very interesting. So moving on to the South, we played in Louisville. Um, we have the one seed Virginia against the 12 seed Oregon. I promised you, I said this is interesting. And I'm going to sound the upset alarm here. I think Oregon, their style of play, how fast they get out and run, the way they rebound the basketball, the tempo in which they play, the confidence in which they're playing it. I know they played in the Pac-12 and it was bad this year. But you get out and run on a team like Virginia and Virginia struggles, even though they're better offensively this year than maybe they've ever been under Tony Bennett. You you force a team who's methodical and stuff, you get them behind late in the game and make them play outside of their comfort zone in that pack line defense. I like Oregon to jump out early on them and hold them, hold them off the rest of the game. I think the speed and transition, because think about it. We've talked about it. Virginia runs really good sets in the shot clock, hits a three. But if you miss threes equal long rebounds, long rebounds equal transition runouts, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So if Virginia doesn't hit and as fast and talented as Oregon is getting in transition, plus they, and on defensively, they have a shot blocker in the back line with um, Kenny Wooten. Yeah. From Oregon. I mean, he is an athletic, tall, skinny shot blocker. Yeah. Sound the upset alarms. Oregon keeps on rolling, knocks out Virginia. Keep those alarms screaming because I got Oregon knocking off Virginia. You know, all year I've been hearing, even Tyler has said he's very high on Virginia. I, on the other hand, has never been high on Virginia. I think they're a little bit, I think they're a little bit overrated in my opinion. I'm just not a fan of that style. Even though Louisville, I got scolded by this last week, even though Louisville plays that pack on D as well. I just don't think Virginia has what it takes to advance to an Elite Eight. And I like Oregon because how does they are? I like Oregon scoring and winning this game. I'm sorry, but that's just my opinion. And the next game, we got Purdue Bowlermakers taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. Interesting matchup, in my opinion. I like Tennessee winning this game, uh, even though Purdue has cost an Edwards and he's playing phenomenal in this tournament. I think Tennessee's too much. They're too big. And they crash the grass as well. I like Tennessee winning this. Schofield has an amazing game. Yeah, um, this is very interesting because both fan bases are going to, in my opinion, flood Louisville out of the proximity. It's about half and half. And Purdue, in my opinion, as we're talking about the Boilermakers, there's a train <laughs> on the outside. I don't know if you guys can hear that, the train rolling by. But uh, so maybe that's the omen. Maybe it's a maybe little foreshadowing. <laughs> Purdue's defense is playing where Matt Painter typically likes his defense. They're gritty. Um, Harms is a matchup nightmare. What they did to Villanova is they hit a bunch of threes early, over, Nova overcommitted, and it allowed slip screens to the rim. Yep. Um, rim runs, as you'd call them. Purdue must hit shots. Carson Edwards played great, but if he, him or Klein's not hitting shots, Tennessee's going to just manhandle them. Tennessee's grown men. Tennessee will probably win the backboard. But if Purdue hits shots early – and forces Tennessee to have to guard them high, then harms and everybody becomes a matchup problem. Yeah. Slipping to the rim. I think at the end, there's a part of me in my gut that wants to pick Purdue. I think they're just, it's destiny. 
I really do. I think it's destiny. But I'm going to stick with the Vols. I think the Vols end up being too much in this rematch. Because remember, early in the year down in the Bahamas, they played Tennessee. Purdue had them beat. Purdue had them beat. Purdue had them beat, and Tennessee squeaked one out. Purdue just couldn't finish the game. I think it's probably a little bit more the same. Purdue leads for a vast majority game. Tennessee finds a way because Tennessee, that's what Tennessee does. Yep. Give me the Vols and the Ducks. Winner goes to the Final Four. Tennessee rolls over Oregon. I think Oregon's momentum stops there. I'll stick my original pick. Tennessee makes the Final Four, wins the South bracket. You know what? I got the same. I got Oregon losing to Tennessee. Hell of a win by Oregon. As much as we dog the Pac-12 Conference, hell of a win if they make it to the Elite Eight. But, yeah, Tennessee too much, too big, too strong. Now, here's the game that really interests me. Probably possibly the game of the – man, outside of the Purdue-Tennessee game, maybe the game of the Sweet 16 right here. North Carolina, one seed, five, Auburn. Holy sh- Holy shit. You talk about two teams. This is going to be the first one to 100 because both these teams get up and down the floor. They're probably the two best teams in transition you'll find all year. And Auburn shoots a three really well. Carolina's not careful. Auburn could do to them what they did to Kansas. There's a part of me that wants to pick Auburn so bad because how great their backcourt is. They've got good front court play with Austin Wiley, Chuma Okiki, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown. But I still, I'm going to stick with it. I think North Carolina – it's just on another level because the danger of running is if North Carolina is the best team maybe ever traditionally to run the basketball. Oh, yeah. And you're playing their style of game. There's only a few teams that beat them like that. Kentucky's one of those teams that beat them in yeah. a running matchup. Mm-hmm. Auburn, I don't know. If Auburn hits threes, they definitely can. Auburn, I think the key for that, they need to hit probably 13 or 14 threes, which are <laughs> – they're, they're capable of them in the first half, as we can see. Yeah. Give me Carolina by about seven. I think it's not a seven-point game yet. I think it, they close it out late. Carolina, real quick. All right, real quick. I got Carolina winning, too. Only reason because you mentioned it. If Auburn hits threes, they're dangerous. But they can't really consistently hit threes. If they do, I think they can win this game. But Carolina has proven they can consistently hit threes. Plus, they got Luke May who comes to play and Kobe White. Don't do you like. Shout out to Cook. So, I like North Carolina winning. So, then we get Houston, three-seed, two-seed Kentucky. P.J. Washington's back. Kentucky rolls. No offense to Houston and Kelvin Sampson. Great defensively. I just think Kentucky's on another level right now. P.J., don't play. I think it's a lot closer. Give me the Cats in that one. Yep, Cats, easily. So, then we get the rematch. North Carolina and Kentucky. Good Lord, what a matchup fun rematch. Kentucky wins the first game in Chicago at the Champions Classic, CBS Sports Classic, wherever it's called. If P.J. plays, I'll stick with it. Kentucky wins in a very close one. If P.J. don't play, as bad as it hurts me, if P.J. don't play, Luke May will have a really good game. Nasir Little goes off. Carolina wins in a close one. Either way, I think it's a close one. We'll put it this way. P.J. plays this week. Cats go to the Final Four. P.J. don't play. Carolina wins. Tar Heels go to the Final Four. What a matchup, though. I say if P.J. doesn't play, North Carolina wins by 10. If P.J. does play, North Carolina wins by four in a closer game. I just think North Carolina's playing as best than anyone in the nation right now. So I like Carolina going to the Final Four. So real quick, since the Sweet 16 set messed up a little bit of our original brackets, my Final Four, I've got Duke, Texas Tech, Tennessee, Kentucky. I have Duke, Texas Tech. Tennessee. Yeah, sorry, Tennessee and North Carolina. So yours is still intact. Yeah. Boy, that was fun. Yeah. Boy, that was fun. We're starting to wind down. We've got one more segment for you. Got some interesting stuff in it. We will take one last pause for the kizzaz, and we will catch you back.
one final time on the other side. Peyton, as we start to wind down episode number 17, um, back as a traditional format too. Um, yeah. You know, we've had fun with uh, teaming up with Premier Giant Productions. Mm-hmm. You know, go check them out if you guys haven't already. That should be stated. Yeah. But, you know, traditional, it's kind of, and it's just me and you. Uh, we will have Cook back next week. Um, I'll let him fill you in on the reason why he's not here tonight besides me shooting him on accident. <laughs> Damn with it. The, with that ghost. He shouldn't have done that to me. <laughs> but <laughs> as we start to wind on down here, Let's go ahead and, you know, we got a few news topics. Last week we didn't get the news because it was all about the tournament. But a few news things that's really interesting to me. A lot of them have to do with coaching changes. Already, the NCAA, the coaching season's already began. It began for some a few months ago with uh, Steve Alford being fired. Around, what, like December Mm -hmm. from UCLA? It's just so crazy now. But Vanderbilt... Fires Bryce Drew after only three years. Bryce Drew makes the NCAA tournament. I think two his first year two years ago, misses out last year and brings in a good recruiting class for this season. Had uh, Darius Garland not got hurt, I'm telling you, Vandy would have been a team on the bubble. Oh yeah, they'd be dangerous. I, contrary to what people say, they would be a team on the bubble. Yep. And then. So they let him go. It's not like Vanderbilt is a – no offense to Vanderbilt people, okay? But it's not like Vandy's a premier job. You have to deal with academic stuff because kids have to get in with certain – that's a top-level like school academic-wise. And then you're just not bringing kids into Vanderbilt. No. And he was bringing in five-star kids. Yeah. So silly on Vanderbilt. I mean, who in the hell are you going to hire at this point? Honestly, who would want that job? No offense to Vanderbilt, no offense to that program, but who really wants that job? I don't know. I don't see the point, especially after three years. Like people are, could you imagine if they fired Coach K back in the day after his like first three or four seasons? He had losing records at Duke. Yeah, but back then they would give you more opportunities. Coach Wooden had losing records for the first like ten years of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't very good. I just don't understand why Vanderbilt, especially if you're Vandy, why you would fire Bryce Drew. Yeah, that's a little bit crazy to me. I Three years that. in, me firing. The only exclu- excuse would be if there was something underlying that happened underneath it. Yeah. You mean like a scandal or something like that. But as far as nothing's came out and you haven't heard nothing. So, um, and then Alabama. I don't know if you'd call it a firing, but more of a mutual agreement. Alabama and Coach Avery Johnson decided to part ways. From what I'm hearing, at first I was upset about it because, again, Alabama, why would you get rid of Avery Johnson, a dude who's bringing in guys like Colin Sexton, John Mack. They've got young players right now. They didn't have the greatest – they were were okay. They beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky. They were just inconsistent. That happens, right? But from what I heard today, according to Bruce Pearl, it sounded more like Avery was kind of done and it was more of a mutual thing. But still a big deal. Alabama, traditionally, Alabama. Do you know Alabama has the second most SEC titles behind oh, Kentucky? How many they got? I can't. I don't remember. It's like fourteen or something. I don't remember. But Alabama under Wimp, why wasn't it Wimp Sanderson? Wimp something other back in the eighties, early nineties. They were really good. Yeah, Alabama's got an underlying. They're not great. They're not like top tier. But they're underlying good basketball tradition. Mm-hmm. So that's an okay job. 
Um, you'll obviously play second fiddle Alabama football. So you have to get used to that. But that's a good job, you know, for a, a mid-major or like a head, high major head coach that's wanting to come back into the game. You know, people are trying to say like Rick Pitino. He, if you're Alabama, you can get Rick Pitino. Of course, that's an upgrade. Avery Johnson's a good coach, but that's an upgrade. But if I'm Alabama, or sorry, if I'm Rick Pitino, I don't take Alabama job. No, I would take know. UNLV or UCLA. Don't up in the West Coast. That's where he belongs. If he yeah. comes back, that's where he or belongs. Or like he belongs back in like New York City, Boston College. I actually think Boston College would be a really good job for him. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So SEC and also SEC was last week, week before last, we didn't get to it. Texas AM fires Billy Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Billy Kennedy was doing a fantastic job at Texas AM. Keep in mind, he was making the NCAA tournament and had good recruiting classes just two or three seasons ago, won the SEC at Texas freaking AM. Yeah. These programs, I don't know what their deal is, thinking that they're high, they're. I guess they overvalue themselves nowadays than what they should. But three right there inside the conference, I love the SEC. Three new, it's going to be three new coaches inside that league. And the coaches of the last few years has been the reason why that the conference has got so much better because they good coaches, bring in good players. Then you see how well the SEC the last two seasons have been. And LSU is probably going to have a new coach at the end of this year. Hasn't been rumored that Buzz Williams from Virginia Tech might take that AM job? Yeah, that's what I've heard. That they, Well, I don't know if it's on his end, but at least the folks in AM are thinking. They're wanting him. I would. I mean, that would be a great hire. That would be a great hire. He can but recruit, still, why he would, can coach. Yeah, but still, why would you get rid of a dude <clears> in um, – I can't even think of his name now. We, I just sat there and said it for man m My brain's not working right now. But anyways, <laughs> why would you get rid of somebody like that who's had some success at your school? So what? They had a bad year this year. It happens. Everybody has a bad year. You don't. Wasn't it just last year they knocked out Tech or uh, North Carolina in the second round, the NCAA tournament? I and then think I think Florida so. State or Michigan smacked them. So come on, come on. But another coaching. This is on the good side. Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter used to coach IUPUI. Billy Kennedy was saying it. Ron Hunter used to coach IUPUI. <clears throat> yeah. Ron Hunter, head coach currently at Georgia State. He's the one a couple years ago when his son, um, RJ Hunter, hit the three to beat Baylor. And NCAA was a Baylor at the 14 to three seed. And he hit the deep three to win the game. And he, that legendary clip of him, he was hobbled and he fell off the stool in excitement. I remember that game. Our, yeah, Ron Hunter used to coach IUPUI forever, made the tournament with them like 2003, 2004, 16 seed. Yeah. He smacked him around. But Ron Hunter's a good coach. Anyways, Tulane's job opening. Mm-hmm. So they snatched Ron Hunter up. Good for him. He'll go down to New Orleans. Yep. I don't know if Tulane will turn into consistently. Good, but because he moved up to a bigger conference now. Tulane's inside the American Athletic Conference, so you'll deal with the likes of Memphis now, UConn, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida. But that's a a good hire for Tulane. Um, You probably couldn't get – no offense to them either, the Blue Wave, but you probably couldn't get a bigger hire, and Ron Hunter's proven he can win. Mm -hmm. So good on him. The other piece of news, Fletcher McGee, we alluded to it earlier. Fletcher McGee sets an all-time D1 record for three-pointers made, passes um, Travis Bader from Oakland, and a previous pass, his hero, J.J. Redick. Fletcher McGee, 509 made three-pointers in his career. The dude can absolutely shoot the damn ball. Yep. 
He's a great shooter. Like, I think he can make the NBA. I think he could be a second-round pick or an undrafted guy that makes a camp and makes a roster just because there's a premium at guys who can shoot and handle the ball. Well, look at Steph Curry when he played at Davidson. What he can really do, he can dribble and he can shoot. And now he's a top NBA player, two-time MVP in the NBA. So I think he could make it. Yeah, I think he could be a dude. I mean, a Matthew Delvadova comes to mind. Yeah. Matthew Delvadova oh, yeah. is about the same size as Fletcher <laughs> McGee. Fletcher shoots the ball far better than Delvadova. Um, Delvadova handles it maybe a little bit better, but they're about the same. And Delvadova has been on a championship team with Cleveland. He's still in the league. Um, so it's similarities, in my opinion. Yeah. So, good one, Fletcher McGee. Sets the all-time D1 record. So, we go into one of the the most beloved, beloved, famous, and the original segment on this show. First ever. Peyton, we are doing shout-outs. Shout-outs. But, got something a little bit different here. Before we get into our shout-outs... We asked our Facebook group, our fans, our members of the group, who are their shouts are going to be. And first up, Josh, I'll let you do yours. Yeah, we wanted to give some love to the to our group, ECB, um, you folks, whatever you want to call yourselves, <laughs> ECB Nation or whatever, our fan, whatever. I, it's still whatever. weird to say fans, but that's kind of what it is. <laughs> it is, yeah. But we want to give you guys a chance, any chance we can give for you to be interactive. So. Pose it last night. <clears throat> Let's hear your shout outs for the for the tournament and even bank on it. So we'll combine that if you have a bank on it. Start off a uh, longtime supporter of us, Johnny Stroud. Johnny says, so shout out to Carson Edwards. <clears throat> um, Carson obviously big time, big time player for Purdue, had a great tournament his first two games so far. And he gives a bank on it to Purdue and Painter. Finally get to Elite Eight. So he has them beating Tennessee. And I know that's tough for him because he's a IU fan through and through, but he wants to shout out Carson Edwards and he banks on it. And keep in mind, our bank on it is a bold prediction that you go out on a limb and say will happen. He banks on it that Purdue and Matt Painter finally get to the lead eight. I can see it happening. No, that's a great shout out. Carson Edwards has been playing phenomenal for Purdue. But the next shout out goes to. One of my best friends, Colton Henderson, he says, shout out to Max Howard from UC Irvine, who had 19 points and hit five through balls in upset versus Kansas State. And also, when he's not playing basketball, he's actually a DJ for like weddings and clubs and stuff like that. So that's a great shout out. Well, he's getting it popping on the rent, or on the court and on the dance floor. Yeah, he'll pop in the locker, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on two different types of sports. <clears throat> Jesse Watts. With our next entry here into the shout-outs and bank on it segment here, um, Jesse says, all four SEC teams will win their Sweet 16 games in advance to the lead eight. Also, Oregon will upset Virginia in the Sweet 16 and punch their ticket to the lead eight. The SEC teams have left, of course. That would mean Kentucky would be Houston, LSU over Michigan State, Tennessee over Purdue, Auburn over North Carolina, all of them very plausible. And, of course, Jesse finishes off with a bank on the Oregon upsets Virginia in the Sweet 16. All of them very, very possible. Very, very possible. Our next shout-out goes to admin in the group, Bryce Burton. 
Shout out to the ECB, ECB group members for being the best and being so interactive this year. Without everybody's help, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be where we are today, and that's very true. Yeah, I think that goes without question being said. Yep. Um, I don't know if this is a shout out or a bank on it, but Zach Pendleton says UNC possible national champs. Question Obviously, mark. that's very likely. Carolina's yeah, playing as well as anybody. Um, Next up, another one of my best friends. Hunter Dean says, shout out to Aubrey Dawkins at UCF. The young guard had an amazing game against Duke and gave a very talented Duke team a run for their money. So, yeah, Aubrey Dawkins was fantastic. 32 last points. Night. I Yes, I agree with it. Fantastic. Um, friend of ours on this next one. Friend, um, supporter of the show, owner of, and operator of our sister site, Everything Pro Wrestling, Conrad Cushman. So I'd like to shout out the UNC Tar Heels and Coach Roy Williams for showing how to get your act together during the tournament. I saw things I liked first half, got frustrated, and then UNC fixed them. Also, thanks to ECB for providing up-to-date news, just being a fun place to talk hoops. Thanks for your hard work, guys. Thank you, Conrad, and um, appreciate the support. Again, check out everything pro wrestling. Yeah. Next up, Sam Hildebrand says, shout out to Nasir Little. He played lights out in this tournament. And he also has a bank on it. He says, and Duke will lose next weekend. Bank on it. Very plausible. Like I said, we predicted them and LSU in the lead eight. I think that's where they could go down. I think LSU, we've already went over it, but I think LSU could definitely take the Dukies out. Uh, Brandon Stevenson says, shout out to Johnny Dawkins' kid. We've already had the Aubrey Dawkins from UCF. He brought it against the most sacked teams and the NCAA and about pull off the upset of all upsets. I know he's personally devastated at the end of the game, but there's nothing to be ashamed of his effort, and that's very true. Um, right after the game, he fell in tears, and uh, fuck, he had a hell of a game, though. Yeah, that's I mean, he had one hell of a game. Yeah. Aubrey Dawkins, boy, with 32. <clears throat> 32 points. 32, and damn near Nailed. damn near knocked off Duke. Yeah, so. almost hit that game winner. But lastly, on this little fan group shout-out segment, we got JRL from Applied Light Painting Services. He says, shout out to Bruce Pearl getting for getting Arvin back to the Sweet 16 for the first time in 16 years. Dude, I love Bruce Pearl. Yeah, I'm a fan of him. I'm I love, I'm honestly a fan of Bruce. I love Bruce Pearl. Um, Auburn, we just touched on it in the previews. Auburn is playing as well as anybody. Auburn shoots the three ball extremely well. They defend at a high level. They ran in transition. They could very well knock North Carolina off. If Carolina doesn't play a superb game, if Carolina doesn't bring their A game, Auburn will knock them out in the Sweet 16. Yes. If North Carolina thinks they can bring a B game, just a so-so game, then they'll go home early. Or oh, even a A minus. That's how good Auburn is right now. First time make a Sweet 16 since 2003. Um, so good on Bruce Pearl and Auburn. Now it's time to get in our shout-outs. Peyton, I'll let you go first. My three shout-outs, we mentioned, we mentioned a couple times on the show, is Fletcher McGee, who set the all-time D1 record for most three-point uh, three field goals made, 509. That's an incredible accomplishment. I think he could do well in the NBA, so props to him. He had a hell of a game. John Morant is my second shout-out, who had an incredible showing the first two rounds of the tourney. Even though Murray State got put out by FSU in the second round, he still played phenomenal, and he had a bright future for him. You know, a lot of players or a lot of people like to do comparisons. Mm-hmm. You know who I compare John Morant to? Are you going to say Russell Westbrook? No, a young Derrick Rose from Memphis. I think they're similar. John Morant's a better shooter than Derrick Rose. Yeah, I was going to say Josh shoots the ball better. Josh shoots better than Derrick Rose. 
but they're so athletic. They're fast. They can pass. They can do everything. They can rebound. That's who I compare him to, a young Derrick Rose. Yeah, what that, do you think about that? I, I think it's I think it's close. I, I think it's close. I like the, the Russell Westbrook comparison better, both long guard, shifty. Um, I think he shoots better than Westbrook even, but they both rebound the ball really well, play good defense, uh, explosive in the open court. But, yeah, the, the Rose one's fine. Yeah. My last shout-out goes to Tremont Waters from LSU, who hit the game-winning layup to defeat Maryland 69-67. You know, with all this scandal, with all this stuff happening at LSU, and him to come out and hit the game-winner is big time for that program. With all the stuff they're going through, Pops to him. Shout out to him. That's my shout outs. Yeah. So I'm um, my my shout outs. We'll go with a pair of uh, Wildcat surprise. Um, Reed Travis and Jamal Baker. Reed in the opening game against Abilene Christian. Like I said, it was a blowout. wasn't even close. But Reed, it was nice to see him kind of get back in the scoring column. Eighteen and nine. And then he followed it up with another big game. Needed his inside presence against Walford. 14 and 11. Reed's starting to turn it back up in the absence of PJ on the offensive end. Just his leadership and his his demeanor being on the court means a lot. And then Jamal Baker. I think he had nine points against Wofford, but more so than that, he's the only one at one point who looked confident enough to hit a jump shot or score the ball in general. Um, his help side defense and on ball defense were key during the runs to help stop Wofford's advances to score especially switching out high on ball screens yeah. talking on defense jump even dropping down getting some rebounds a couple steals jamal baker was the unsung hero for kentucky in that win against wofford mm-hmm. i don't think he gets a lot of credit that he deserves so he's a shout out um my second shout out bryce brown from auburn absolutely torched kansas at one point five for five from three just absolutely lit kansas up when a Saturday night, and Kansas had no answer for him. Bryce Brown, we've talked about him and Jared Harper being a dynamic backcourt, probably one of the better backcourts in America. <clears throat> Bryce Brown, shout out. And my third and final one, and I don't remember who said it, gave the shout out. Was it Johnny? John, it was Johnny. Third and final goes to Carson Edwards. I completely agree. 26 points against Old Dominion, follows up 42 against Villanova, sets a Purdue record for most threes in the game. I think it was like nine absolutely torched the first weekend of the tournament, and he needs to. He's the leader for Purdue. He's kind of the straw that stirs their drink. If he's going well, Purdue seems to be going well and opens up things for everybody else. Carson Edwards, as good as first weekend in the tournament as you'll find, maybe better than anybody. Yeah. Um, so goes without question, there's our shout-outs. Now it's on the bank line. Peyton, you have been terrible this year on bank line. Yeah, I've been terrible. I'm like 0-7. And, and you know, everybody in the Facebook group, Summer, everybody is they giving give you me hell. crap. <laughs> I've always said my bank on it, but next year, I'm coming out on fire. Well, you need I, to. You I have be, to. I have to. You can't be much worse than what you were this year. No, I've been terrible, and I don't know the reason why. But, yeah, I've always said my bank on it, LSU defeating Michigan State in the close game to events to the um, – Elite eight. eight. So that's my bank on it. Josh, what's yours? Well, Jesse kind of spoiled mine because it's the same one as that I have. But my bank on it is you take it – honestly, you take it to the bank because I do think Oregon will knock off Virginia. We broke it down. I think Oregon's style of play 
puts Virginia in a predicament they don't like to be in. They don't want to run up and down the floor. Um, they don't want to have an open floor game. And I think Oregon's playing with such confidence, shooting the ball well. Pritchard's going to be a handful at the point guard spot, the way he's shooting. Um, they have a shot blocker back. If Virginia doesn't get into a lead early, if they allow the game to start going up and down, then Oregon will put them in a situation they don't want to be in. So I'm saying bank on it right now. Oregon knocks off Virginia in the Sweet 16. It's a good bank on it. So as we start to wrap up here, um, kind of going to some final thoughts here. I'll let you go ahead and go first on this one as well if you want. That's fine. You know, usually my final thoughts, I thank everybody who listens to our program. I still do, but a little bit serious here. Ever since the tournament, you guys have been great, but there's still like 1% because we're getting a lot of members. There's still like 1% that are complete assholes and do stupid stuff. They either say inappropriate stuff to people or about a player and it's dumb. And we've already like booted like three people or something like that. And I love you guys. You guys are awesome. But not all of you do this, but there's some of you guys who are just complete assholes who offer nothing in this group and just want to take, take, take and give nothing back. And I'm not seeing anybody out, but you guys are great. But that's just my final thoughts. Really, it's very short, but it's just a little bit annoying because we worked so hard to do a program for you guys. And there's a few people that just get on my nerves and I'm glad we booted them. So that's my final thoughts. Just don't yeah. be an asshole. Yeah, I feel like to piggyback off that we've already got rid of those people and we've already gave the final warnings because like, we're not going to turn into an ESPN group message board or like you see politics where people just get on and just harass people Troll. and make ignorant comments. So we've already gave the final warnings and it won't be <clears throat> tolerated. Um, and just act like an adult. Like it's fine to be friendly banter and give hell because everybody does that. But there's some people for some reason the last few weeks who just, have taken it over the edge and got personal stuff. So we're not taking that, that you'll be gone in an instant if you start acting that way, which is fine because like I said, 99.7% of you are fantastic. And you don't have nothing to worry about. It's that 0.3% or 0.03%, whatever that, that will be gone in a heartbeat. And I think everybody else agrees with that so far. Yeah. You know, we're all for banter. We're all for promoting your stuff. As long as you get back to the group. Hell, I just mentioned on my bank points, I've been terrible and some has been choking around me how bad I am. And you see JLL and Cook have a little friendly rivalry there. It's all fun and games, but we're not assholes to each other. We respect each other, respect our opinions or their opinions. And we're here to make this group great. So that's just my final thoughts. Josh, what's yours? Well, my final thoughts, actually, you kind of stole it in a way, but that's fine. I was uh, going to just harp on it. It's okay. That's fine. Um, final thoughts, you know, we're in the Sweet 16. Things are starting to wind down and a lot of good games. Yeah, I could go that route where I've told you before, make sure you're tuned in, but everybody's going to be tuned in. So I'll go, I'll go this other route. Um, first of all, Noah and Tyler – you know, for each reasons, we miss you, and we we'll, can't wait for you guys to join us again next week. Uh, Tyler, you know what's good. We love you, man, and yeah. uh, can't wait to get back with you next week and let you tell your story while you're gone. Uh, and Noah, we can't wait to get back to working with you. <clears throat> we are growing so fast. I say it every week, but seriously, we are breaking our own records left and right. And just stick with us because <laughs> – Things are about to get crazy. We've already got um, a former professional basketball player 
He didn't quite make the NBA, but he's played with a lot of NBA players, played in Canada. We've got a segment with him lined up in the summer. We've got all sorts of craziness. And I guess I'll just spend this time real quick. I mentioned about coaching changes. I just don't – this goes in life too. Don't be so quick to end something just over a bad moment or a bad segment. A lot of times you find that everything's good when you're winning or good when things are going well, but people are too quick to rush to end stuff. If you're a coach or an athletic director or whatever in life, keep things in perspective and who you are and where you are. If you're not a Kentucky, a Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, um, whoever, the Blue Bloods, yeah, don't think that you're going to attract a Blue Blood coach. If you got a dude that is winning games and has a few bad years here and there, stick the process out unless things are just really bad behind the scenes. Don't be so quick to end stuff over a bad moment or a bad segment. I think you will, because most times you end up regretting it. Also in this tournament, everybody seems to love the one shining moment, but everybody forgets to the heartbreak that goes in. There's going to be one champion. Careers end all the time. When you're watching these games and you're critiquing players, just keep in mind that you don't know what they're going through And some of them may be trying their hardest. Some of them may be playing with passion that you don't think. We're just fans. If you feel the need to get on Twitter or other social media outlets and blast a kid, especially if you're a grown adult, you need to get your head checked. At the end of the day, it's just the game. We all want to win. It's just the game. Don't be that dude or girl, because there's females who do it too, who go and blast a kid. And even to the point where you think, well, I'm being a hard ass. At least I'll say it to him. Don't just save your thoughts and feelings. Don't say something ignorant. Okay. Cause they're going through a lot too. Whether you think that they they're trying, they don't have any effort, whatever. It doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter in the situation. I don't want to be that guy, but your opinion doesn't matter. Just like we said in the group, In all facets of life, just think before you speak. Don't be an asshole. And you'll you'll typically get along with people. Yeah. With that being said, it's been an awkward one in a way, but it's been awesome too because (laughs) we're back to the original kind of style of programming. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Next week, you know, we'll be back in live video form and. Next week, we'll be breaking down. We'll have our four teams in the final four. We'll be breaking down the final four and the national championship, too, in a way. Yeah, I don't know. We will be doing that. So, hold tight for episode 17. It's been a fun one. Yep. Josh Burton. Peyton Burton. We will catch you next week with our final four edition of Everything College Basketball. Until then, see you later. Boom!